4: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line, so if you'd like to uh, dabble, you uh, get to go to the front of the line. Um, apologies for yesterday or today or whatever. Been feeling slightly under the weather and um, was really bummed that it was late and I felt like I was going to die and I had to go to the podcast and then it dawned on me, dude, you can give yourself a day off. You're kind of the boss of your little thing here. And so I did that and it felt amazing. But I have a really bad habit of once I decide that it's okay to not do what I need to do, that I'm never going to do it again. So am going to power through this here. However considering, um, you know, still not feeling super great, and it's late, and I'm tired. We're going to do a double packernet after dark, and they're probably both going to be a little bit short, so tomorrow will be the same thing. Just, you know, different, uh, different calls. <laughs> you knew that. <laughs> Kyle from Madison, save me from myself.
2: Ryan, Kyle from Madison, Sorry. what is up, my friend? It is Monday night. Hmm kind of a dreary Monday. Isn't that a song or something? Uh, I guess I'm getting better at taking losses.
4: Monday, Monday, Um, Sunday, Sunday?
2: Especially if they advance something I want to happen, I suppose, which is Joe Barry to be gone. So, um, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that could be a positive. We'll see how the last three weeks shake up.
4: Um, I don't think I've ever heard it, but Billie Holiday did sing a song called Gloomy Sunday. Julie Holiday is a fantastic singer, by the way. Sorry. Um,
2: Can this team win three games? I guess we'll see. I mean, really nothing would surprise me anymore, you know? Exactly. (laughs) It it could go either way. We could win these games by 60. I I don't even, I wouldn't be surprised or lose all of them. I have no idea. But um, this is what I keep thinking all day today. I don't know. I haven't scouted out all of the personnel, you know, so I don't know who the in vogue possible defensive coordinators would be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's going to be, like, people saying, well, bring, bring in Bill Belichick. When he leaves the Patriots, I I would say that 99% sure that will not happen. I suppose...
4: If- I, I, I can't imagine a guy that's 117 years old is going to walk away or if he gets hired, fired or whatever. Um which I almost would be surprised by that, too, despite how bad they are, because he's not a bad coach. Look at the frickin' team. Anyways, I'm not a Patriots podcast, so the point is, why in the world would you take a job as a defensive coordinator? First of all, if he wants to coach, he's probably going to get a head coaching job. I mean, think how many of his understudies have been um, given head coaching jobs. Most of them fail, but the point is, they're just trying to get a slight taste of Bill Belichick. He has been revered for decades for his ability to coach and, and the, the discipline and the structure and all. Are you kidding me? You know how many people would bend over back? And, and the bottom line is if he gets fired, sorry for that. Ooh, winter sale, steam. What do we got? Uh, <laughs> video games we got here. Sorry. Um, <laughs> if, if this guy gets fired, he's got to retire. I would assume that it's like, you know, I had a good run. Maybe he'll entertain a couple offers. He'll want to retire and then it'll be he'll get some kind of juicy offer somewhere. It's not going to be as a defensive coordinator. There's no way. He is cons- I mean, think about it. We're talking maybe the greatest coach of all time. Right? I I don't watch a lot of other sports, so I don't I don't ex- but just in the realm of the NFL, obviously as a Packer fan, I'm I'm looking at Vince Lombardi and you know, there, there's been some great coaches, but man, it's hard to argue with the reputation of Bill Belichick. He's going to take a defensive coordinator job? Come on, man. Don't get me wrong, i jump at it, but I don't know who's saying that. Stop saying
2: that. He does leave, and he wants a lighter schedule, and he likes what he saw out of LaFleur and the young quarterback in joint practice. Um,
4: That's the other thing. You think he wants to go be bossed around by Matt LaFleur? Come on, man.
2: Okay, hey, I'll give you like a one percent chance. But I'm sure there'll not be a whole drum line for that. That's not gonna happen. Um but gosh, if we had like like I'm with you, I like LaFleur. There's been a couple plays, like during some games where I'm like, alright, you know, I don't know about that. But right. for the most part, he's willing to take some risks, he's inventive, I think he sequences pretty well. It would be so amazing to get the defensive version of that. You know what I mean, right? Where there's some- no—I mean,
4: that's a fantastic point. And you know they're out there, right? We didn't know about the whole Matt Lafleur thing until like what this year, maybe when the when the podcast came out, or or at the very least, like you know, I mean, as far as the the depth of it, where it was actually these four guys. Because I just assumed it's there's been dozens of guys who have come through, and it's just a couple of them happen to be smarter or more adept than others. I didn't realize the full extent of like these four guys really being next level. But the point is we didn't know that this was probably known when they were in fricking Washington together, right? People in the NFL knew that. And then, then they got to watch their careers evolve and you got Atlanta and you got what Cleveland for a year. I think Shanahan was there or something. And you got, of course, LA and so, so, The NFL has known about these guys for a long time, and the Packers jumped on one of them. There has to be some rumblings just because we don't hear it. I'm sure there are rumblings about incredible defensive minds. That's why all these names come up, and we're like, what the? What is who is that? Because as fans, we only know like the big couple names. We don't really know who these, you know, 31 year old freaking super genius people are, but they have to be out there.
2: Innovation. Yeah, maybe you get burned, but may, you know, hopefully your offense is humming along a little better. You know, next year where you get where you can, can play complimentary football. And that's what- well,
4: and and also to your point, this seems to be the Green Bay Packers philosophy in general. Aim high. You know what I mean? It's it's all about. We want to be the most elite possible thing, even if that gives us a slightly higher chance of failure. Don't go with the safe thing. I mean, Joe Barry felt safe, but again. That was a Matt LaFleur hire. That's not good to and Mark Murphy. I don't think they would have hired Joe Barry because that doesn't fit what the Packers do. We're not we're not drafting people for the sake of being safe. Matt LaFleur wasn't safe. That was high risk, high reward. Right? He's never been I mean, he was an offensive coordinator for basically one year because it was only the one year where he actually ran an offense and it was terrible, but he's never he has no head coaching experience. He's mostly been a quarterback coach. He's, you know, kind of been in the shadow of some guys you can't really see. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's high risk, but, but the reputation is, because we know what, he, what his mind is comprised of and what he's been through and what he's done, we know that this guy's ceiling is basically limitless, right? Jordan Love, same thing. This guy has an unbelievably low floor, but he has a ceiling that other guys do not have. He's one of the very rare people who has those Aaron Rodgers qualities, so we're going to swing in it. That's what we do. I mean, I I feel like you just convinced me right now that, not that, I mean, I've always felt this way because, again, I I like Gutekunst in general and the decision-making. I like the Packers and the way that they process things. Generally, obviously, they're not perfect, and I I like the Matt LaFleur hire. I feel like if they're involved, better decisions are going to be made, and I really want them to be heavy-handed in the decision. I don't want this to be a Matt LaFleur decision. I want the entire team working on this, regular meetings, and I I genuinely think that I'd rather have either Murphy or Gutekunst make the final decision, but maybe allow Matt LaFleur's opinion to weigh a little heavier, kind of like the draft, right? What Matt LaFleur says informs what we need, but I'm the one that makes the picks. I would rather do it that way. And Matt LaFleur might have more names, you know, he might be more familiar with the coaching circles and all that stuff, Fine bring those to the forefront, bring them to the table, call them up, and we'll interview them. But I don't want you making the final decision.
2: I keep thinking, like, where is the, you know, McVay, Lafleur's of the defense? I want one of those guys. Um, You know, just 30,000 feet looking down, I have no idea if the guy can actually call a defensive game. But it'd be sure sweet if Al Harris was, like, a good defensive coordinator. Because, like, it would just, the circle would be complete to get him back in Green Bay. Yeah. I have no 100%. idea if he can call a game. He certainly seems to be able to coach DBs, though. But, um, yeah, I just, I mean, I just love the innovative, you know, keep them guessing kind of players coach on defense, man. Can you imagine? Yep. Ah, we'll see how it shakes out, my friend. Anyway, talk to you later.
4: You know, I honestly have not dug too much into it. Um, it's one of those things that I, I know Packer fans are going to say it because it's Al Harris. And I, I don't want to say I roll my eyes because I don't have a negative opinion about Al Harris, but it's just sort of one of those things where I'm just like, you're just saying that because it's Al Harris. But at the same time, even by itself, I think it carries a lot of weight. Um, I, I would love to have a former player. I would especially love to have a former player that was really good and knows what it takes to be really good and also knows what it takes to have really good coaches because you know he's had good coaches and he knows what those guys were like. But he also can speak to players as a player while providing to them the coaching that they need, which he understands because he knows as a player what good coaching is. He was in Green Bay In 2010, when we won a Super Bowl, he was in Kansas City as the assistant secondary slash defensive assistant from 2013 to 2018. The guy understands winning culture. He spent what, eight years in Green Bay? Green Bay is all about winning culture, man. And as you said, you can't deny Dallas's secondary, right? I mean, it's the defense as a whole, but I mean, look at who he's coaching under. Very good defensive mind. And even if you just look at the secondary, I mean, his first year there, Dallas was 27th, and it just went through the roof after that. And and again, maybe it's not Al Harris, but they have been a borderline top 10 unit every single year since then. Just looking at PFF coverage grades, I'm sure you can look at it some other kind of way, but um, the, the bottom line is similar to Matt LaFleur, like I – There's a lot of components to being a coach. I love how he is with some of the components, and I don't like some others. I know Al Harris checks a lot of the boxes, but I don't know if he checks enough of the right boxes to be the right guy. But um, I wouldn't hate it, and I would love it if they would at least interview him just to kind of, like you said, get him back in the building, pick his brain a little bit. Because another thing we got to understand is culture is a big problem right now. And I really think a former player coming in there is massive for culture. Not to say that there aren't some defensive coordinators that, that know how to instill a culture, but you want a player-led locker room? Al Harris is a player. And I don't care if that's not exactly what that means. I think it has some benefits to it. Now, there's a lot of other former players. I'm not throwing in my hat for Al Harris necessarily. I'd like to look a little bit more into it. Obviously, I can't make a final determination either way because there are so many questions that I just can't answer. But just of the things that I can see off the top of my head real quick, there's nothing negative. Former player, very good player, played for the, the, the Packers as, you know, during their championship t- 2010 season. Relatively quick riser as a coach. Uh, stayed a long time with the Kansas City Chiefs during their stretch of dominance. Under Andy Reid. Goes to Dallas. Transforms their defense. Plays under a really good defensive mind. Or coaches under, I should say. I think Dan Quinn is one of those guys that maybe can't quite cut it as a head coach, but is a heck of a defensive coordinator type. And I also know that the fan base would love it. And I know that's not worth a ton, but you want to have a great and energized off season. that would be great, especially when you start getting some of the sound bites from some of the guys, because I'm sure they would be excited about it. it would be, uh, It would be a lot of fun, at least for a little while. <laughs>
5: Hey, Ryan. New Berlin guy here. Hey. Um, This is probably the most I've called you in like like two days, (laughs) three days. But anyway, um, I was listening to your podcast this morning. I just thought about it and talked about it being the holidays coming up. And I know this wouldn't be a good Christmas present for Joe Barry, but it would be a wonderful Christmas present for us Packers fans. (laughs) Firing Joe Barry. Now, I know Matt LaFleur said in his press conference today that he plans on having Joe Barry be the head or the D.C. for the rest of the season, but a wonderful Christmas present would be just to fire him for us Packer fans, and I would be happy because then you fire him, you have one of his guys replace him for the rest of the year, and that guy probably doesn't necessarily expect to be the defensive coordinator next year. So then, at that point, you can start doing your interviews with defensive coordinators and stuff like that. We don't have to necessarily wait yeah. to find out who it's going to be. Um, maybe it's just my thinking. Maybe I'm just a douchebag at this point. But I really want to see him gone. That's how bad I want him gone. I'm sick of it. And when I saw that press conference today, I wanted to throw something at the TV. I was at my grandma's house when I watched it, so I didn't want to throw it at (laughs) the TV
4: because it was my grandma's TV. I'll break my TV, but but not grandma's. I get that. It
5: needs to be gone.
1: I know I've said that a lot, but that's
4: how I feel. So here's my thought, and I haven't really commented on the press conference. I always like to do that, but it's kind of a lot of work, and if it happens that I have something else to talk about, I'd rather talk about something else. Um, But as far as the press conference... I, I kind of feel like he's... I don't know if pigeonholed is the right word or phrase to use. But it's one of those things where you ask a certain question and Matt LaFleur doesn't have a lot of options. So l- let me start with this. If Matt LaFleur genuinely means or meant by what he said, which we'll get to, that under no circumstances will Joe Barry be fired this year, no matter what happens, and then we will reassess after this year... I think that's just bad management to say that there is nothing that this man can do to be fired is basically admitting that you're refusing to do your job. It's one thing to say, he's not the problem. Therefore he will not be fired. It's another thing to say, I don't care what happens. I don't care how bad he is. I don't care. He's not getting fired. That's not what he said, but that would be terrible. Now, as far as everybody being upset because he basically said he's not going to fire him this year, I I would say that that's not necessarily what happened. So the question and how it's asked is important, as well as the specific answer, which is part of the problem with the way the questions are asked and um, the way the answers are interpreted. Because I feel like we're we're not really getting good information. We're getting um, good articles that get a lot of clicks, maybe, but not necessarily good information. So. I just want to go through some of the actual quotes here. So Rob Domofsky wrote an article for ESPN, and again, the way he wrote it, I think, is just incorrect. He starts off with, if ever Green Bay Packers coach Matt LaFleur would shake up his coach, coaching staff before the end of the season, this seemed uh, like the most likely moment, given that the team's perennial uh, perennially inconsistent defense got torched by Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield. But it wasn't. In fact... LaFleur indicated that oft criticized defensive coordinator Joe Barry would remain as the defensive coordinator and play caller for at least the remainder of the season. So, again, Rob Domofsky says that Joe Barry will remain the defensive coordinator for at least the rest of the season, meaning it is not possible for him to be fired the rest of the season and I don't think that that's what was said. The question, will Joe Barry remain the defensive coordinator through the end of the year? His answer was that is the plan. Right. Well, that is the plan as of today. Will that be the plan as of the end of the Carolina game? Don't know. What does he go on to say? If I thought that was the best solution today, then we'd make that decision. So again, let me ask the question. If things change to the point where Matt LaFleur feels like it is the best decision today, let's say after the Carolina game, would he make that decision? According to him, he would. So you say, well, then why did he say that's the plan? What else is he going to say? I mean, if we just rephrase it slightly, and the question was, are you going to fire Joe Barry this year? And he says, that's not the plan. Well, no kidding, that's not the plan. You're not, if that was the plan, you'd fire him now. What do you think the plan is? We're going to keep him this week and next week and then fire him the week after, just arbitrarily? The plan is either we're going to fire him now, or it's we're going to wait until the end of the season and reassess. That's the current plan, which all that means is we're not going to fire him right now. But too many people are reading too much into it. Of course that's the plan. What other options are there? I mean, he could have just flat out said, I don't know. But he's not going to say that. Hey, is Joe Barry going to make it to the end of the season? I don't know, bro. Frickin. And I think that's the thing. Like Everybody just wants him to be negative. Just say Joe Barry sucks. Just say it. Say he's a stupid, fat-faced loser. Say he stinks like old cheese. Tell me right before you came up to the podium, you beat him with your bare hands. You just started punching him in the face because he's stupid and you hate him. He didn't fire him. Maybe he should have, but that's it. And obviously there are no plans to fire him this year because if that was the case, they would have done it. So we don't know that Joe Barry's going to make it to the end of the year. We know that he wasn't fired today. We know that it's probably unlikely that he gets fired this year unless these just complete collapses continue, especially against Carolina. Like I said, if that happens again, There really does need to be something, because if it doesn't happen, then it's never going to happen, regardless of the words that he says. I mean, it's just it's evident, I think, to all of us that he's just refusing. So anyways, we got to take a break. We'll come back and hear from Nico. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days.
3: What is up Ryan? This is Nico it's next day. Not quite as sick as yesterday. Still a little under the weather. Right. But uh, I just gotta let you know. Um you know I like to be optimistic and uh honestly I'm totally okay with yesterday because one it ensured we're going to get a new defensive guy. Okay, there's no way. No way on Mars. That we don't have a new defensive coordinator come next year, whether we fire him today or tomorrow, or the next day, I don't think it matters. Maybe just let him put in his time. I don't know if firing him any earlier helps because most people you are going to rehire, or most people you're going to hire, they're working until the end of the season anyways, and you're not allowed to talk to them. So, but anyways, so we gotta need defensive coordinator to come, and we can all sit back and be happy. Secondly, <clears throat> I believe we have we got plenty of talent on this team, right? On the defense, we just need the right guy. I just got to pray to the Lord in heaven that we get the right guy. But anyways, I got no control over that. My main reason for optimism is, let's just face it. At the beginning of this year, we didn't know what we had. We didn't know if we had <clears throat> a good quarterback or a bad quarterback. <laughs> we didn't know if, you know, uh, uh, what the face had a fluke rookie year. Watson, you know, because he had a great rookie year, yeah. um, tied Randy Moss with touchdowns for, you know, in, in, like, six games for a rookie. So we didn't know if he was going to be able to do that again. And other than the fact that he's been down a little, we now, I think now we know that when he's healthy, he can be a field stretcher. And a, if, he, if he, has he had 17 games to play healthy, he can catch 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns. I have no doubt because the guy is phenomenal. Especially if Jordan loves to throw a long ball. Yeah. And then look at the other receivers. just want them all up in a ball. Reed, <laughs> we didn't know what we had there. We know what we got now. Yeah. Who is even thinking Wicks or Heath would be anything? We were just all joking around, whether or not they're going to make a team. And look, they've become solid number two, three, four receivers. Wicks could be a number one guy Sunday. I don't know. And then as far as the tight ends go, you know, I joked around. I do. I did Yes, I compared Jake. Sternberger to uh, the guy from the Niners. Uh, that was a joke, but, and I hoped I got it, but I didn't. But I compared these guys to Gronk and Jimmy Graham, and I think that's what we got. Hang on a minute. Three minutes? What?
4: <laughs>
3: Continue. Yeah, but anyways, tight is We didn't know what Musgrave and Kraft are going to be like. I think we're all fairly confident that Musgrave is an elite talent. The guy is fast. He can catch. Uh, he actually had started blocking good before he injured his spleen or his leak or whatever he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and took a crap. he was a, like a big question mark. Um, but he, he made it. And did, I don't know. If, did y'all see how he stood up there in the fourth quarter when he, I think he had like a dope for a pass and uh, didn't catch it and the defender landed on him. He just did one of those ninja kick flips where he hopped up. I'm like, what the freak? <laughs> that guy, maybe we haven't seen the end of his amazing abilities. But anyways, I think this offense, as young as they are, you know the old saying, you know, sometimes when you're early in the in the NFL, you, you do good you don't know what you don't know. Well, just imagine when they start knowing what they got to know. I think also as far as love, I think we know by now, dude is good. Um... He, he. That's all I'm gonna say. I think we all know. Unless you, if you're hating on him, that's all good. You know, be an idiot, man. You, you have that right to be. I think we know we got a, at least a top ten quarterback, and I think his sky is very high. Dobbs. I'm a little surprised. Dobbs kind of sank a little, but I think that's only because Reed and Wicks have done so good. So if he's just if Dobbs is our number four receiver, um. That's not the worst thing in the world because I think he's a pretty good receiver. Honestly, we just need to get make two offensive linemen. Sure, I'd love to get three next year, but, you know, if we get two good ones next year, we get a left tackle and a right guard, how much better will our offensive line be? How much better will, will, will our running be? I think we have a lot to look forward to as far as our future. And – Hell me, Jesus. If we get one of those defense coordinators that can make a first year impact, because we all know defense coordinators can't do that. Lord have mercy, we could be a contender next year and for years to come. And who knows, what other new talent is the Goofmeister gonna sprinkle in next year as far as offensively? Mm-hmm. You never know. So we got a lot to look forward to. Honestly, our offense can play life out the next the next last few games that our defense make us lose every game, I would be okay with that other than the morale thing. Um, maybe they should fire him before the season's over just to let the defensive players know, look, we got your back. Yeah. We're going to help you out. Oh, Rick Pistachio nut, he can be our defensive coordinator, you know, in him for a couple weeks. Um, so uh we got a lot to look forward to, man. And uh, <clears throat> that's all I got to say about that. Go Tech, go.
4: Good old Rich Pistachio. Yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of at the same place right now as far as optimism. Obviously, I've sounded very angry lately, but as I said, that's the my focus is not on the defense. And maybe we're lying to ourselves and the players are the problem. There's actually an an interview that I want to go through one of these times, probably save it for next week sometime after the game and whatnot and after Christmas and everything. Um, But interestingly enough, I was... (laughs) I I basically was being sarcastic. It's like, look, there's there's two options here. Either our defense is is being run by somebody who can't run a defense, or everyone on our defense is a bunch of idiots. Like they're just stupid. They just can't do it. Well, a very prominent voice, uh not very liked, but I, I think uh very probably respected by you know people for being honest. Anyways, he flat out was like yeah they're they're just idiots (laughs) like that's officially his stance on the issue so i guess we can explore that a little bit i I find that uh to be a little funny i don't agree but it's it's funny and it's entertaining but anyways the, the point is we can at least lie to ourselves and be like dude the defense will get fixed we'll figure it out but for now this offense bro this offense is exciting, and that's why for me these last three games. Like I almost wish the season would just end, as much as I don't want the NFL season to end, just because right now we're all optimistic. And if there's three ga- three weeks of like bad offensive play, that's gonna suck. So I'm really optimistic about our offense. I really hope that the last three weeks can continue with uh, good offensive play and whatnot. You know, hopefully we can see. Christian uh, or uh, Jordan continue to do really great things and Wicks and Reed and all the boys kind of come together and do some cool stuff. But um, that's it. I mean, that's that's my focus. It's on the offense. It's about building this offense. And if that can happen, I'm optimistic. It's an offensive league. And if we've got a quarterback and we've got a play caller and we got a GM, we're going to be fine. We'll figure this crap out. And whether it's uh. Defensive coordinator that's incompetent, whether it is uh, a bunch of players that are just complete halfwits that don't know how to think, whatever, we'll figure it out, man. If Quay's a dummy, then we'll go find someone who's not a dummy. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out. But uh, defense can do whatever they want. And offense, I am. I am just really, really... Hopeful and excited. I, I want to beat the crap out of the Panthers, man. I really do. Really do. Um, why don't we take our final break? We'll come back and hear a little bit of A.A. Ron.
1: What's up, Ryan? And A.A. Ron from Eau Claire. Um, been enjoying listening to your thoughts on uh, everything Thanks. as per usual. Um, <clears throat> I was watching back some highlights from the game on youtube and i put it down to 25 percent speed so i could kind of slow it down yeah. and watch what was going on as best i could and i don't really know what i'm doing when it comes to breaking down yeah, me either uh humanity. i mean
4: i listen i think there's varying degrees of understanding and there there are obviously i mean it doesn't matter who you are like you know there's people that haven't watched football that don't know anything then there's me and you that probably have a very generic understanding slash like we know some stuff just from being immersed in it all the time. Then you got the next tier where you could put like Clayton and some other people. And then there's people above him that are like psychos that are like, how do you not have a job like freaking coaching for Michigan State or something, you know, uh, all the way on up to freaking Matt LaFleur and all the rest of them. But the point is, it's, it's not useless. It really isn't and i have learned a ton uh just by going back and watching and it's it part of it is is sort of like the draft insofar as you know I don't necessarily know, but it, i'm i'm gonna formulate an opinion based on what my eyes are telling me, and um I could be wrong right the draft is is so nuanced in terms of of understanding what you're looking at um but i l- listen It's good to be able to go back and just do the homework and watch guys on a play-to-play basis rather than the initial first look, which for most of us is just watching the game casually and then yelling at somebody because I've seen them twice make a mistake. And then you go back and watch, and it's like, he actually freaking dominated all day long. So listen, everybody that's calling into this podcast has watched enough football and understands enough football that it would be a benefit to go back and do it. Um, and then, you know, it's up to you to to determine how much you want to delve in. I, I know, um, coach had tried to send me a book at one point and I was going through it. And I, like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably not a good thing, but I, I, I hated it (laughs) when, when I get into like the, the real hardcore side of, of, um, you know, the understanding scheme and all that kind of stuff, it just drained the fun out of it for me. And I, I, I don't know why maybe, maybe part of it is just my excitement is derived partially from this feeling of like backyard football, where it's just good players against good players and see who's best rather than it being all systematic. And, and really it just comes down to like play calling and um just, just this robotic freaking thing where it's like, if you just sit in your box and then do follow the rules of this system and do the math, uh, ugh. It, it's not for me man it's you know you got to know your strengths and weaknesses and that's not my thing I, I i definitely am much more comfortable on the statistics side of things i like the math and the numbers and all that um and i like going back and watching the games over watching the tape watching the film whatever but but from my understanding as it currently is i i don't need to go and i'll watch other people do it i don't mind them you know explaining this guy sucks and here's why i mean that's cool and then you can pick up a little bit from that um you know, again, it's good to watch other people do their breakdowns and whatnot, but I just, it ain't for me.
1: ...edicts and all that stuff. But it's kind of, uh, I wanted to satisfy my curiosity of what as to sure. what was actually going on in some of those big plays. And um, what it seemed like to me was that they were playing in zone the whole game and that uh, somehow the Bucks receivers were basically just splitting the defenders and just going right to the holes in the zone every time. And nobody in their um, spots were kind of uh, challenging it. Mm-hmm. And so basically I'm wondering if that's a sign that, you know, because a lot of times it looked like the defenders were sort of in the Close enough proximity to actually go and do something, but I'm wondering if that's a sign that it's a communication problem more than anything. Because um, if there's three, if there's like a triangle of three Packers defenders around the receiver when he catches the ball, and they're all close enough to make a tackle within you know a second, um, but none of them are going up and doing it then how how does that happen, I guess? Um, Is it... uh, Because it it was kind of surprising to me. It was actually... The defenders looked like they were in a better position to make plays than I thought they would be Mm -hmm. upon first watch. But none of them looked confident in making a play. So to me, I wonder if that's just just bad um, coaching in terms of like role assignments and like how to communicate or I I don't know I mean I'm so far from knowing how any of this works that I couldn't begin to tell you so if you have any insight to that would love to hear it
4: well the first thing off the top of my head would be anytime you see a defensive collapse to that degree it is everything went wrong Right, it 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 can't just be, you know, a handful of players making mistakes or or play calling or whatever. It's it's every freaking possible thing. Um, I think a second thing is I, I genuinely, at this point, believe that they are losing the locker room, and um, at, at the end of the day, that is a player issue. You know, the players giving up is a player issue. But I just I think that that's where we're at. I think Joe Barry and potentially Matt Lafleur have lost the locker room. To such a degree that they are discouraged. Uh, I don't think they trust the plan. I don't think they trust themselves. Uh, they're not confident, as you said, in, in what they're supposed to be doing. Obviously, it seems to be getting worse instead of better. Um, and so things things just seem to be spiraling. And that's not to say they can't bounce back big time next week. I hope they do. I, I think they need the confidence boost. Um, I think they need to prove it to themselves You know, to, to go out and, and just show everybody who you are uh as an individual and as a unit and whatnot forget you know kind of like Justin Fields when he just said basically threw his coaches under the bus and he's like I'm not listening to these freaking guys anymore I, I I'm gonna go out and do what I do now you can't really do that on on defense as much as you can as a quarterback especially a mobile quarterback but um to some degree it would be nice and 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 to some degree I think Joe Barry wants that and Matt LaFleur wants that like just go freaking play like there's there's rules and there's structure but if you don't know what you're freaking doing, anyways, <laughs> like don't just stand there scared. Like just go do something with with uh, passion and authority. Um I also think there's an element of you know, I I, I do think the Bucks were manipulating the Packers a lot. Uh, I think that there was basically an understanding of how to manipulate the defense, and as you said, they were finding the soft spots in the zones. And when you couple with that again you know especially with zone i know they did play some man and we we saw guys get killed in man we saw stokes get killed we saw devondre get killed in man um that was pretty much a disaster every time we were in man coverage but we also saw the clips of zone that that didn't work and so you're coupling an offense that knows exactly how to pick it apart and the thing with with the zone or with with i mean yeah i mean zone in particular is you can't physically cover every square inch like there's zones, which means you have to cover from the far side to the near side of the zone. And if you're slightly off from where you're supposed to be and you're slightly hesitant in your assessment, you're also just not playing at 100%, whether you want to blame that on injuries or just a lack of motivation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal call at the right time because there's just, you know, the, the, the offense knows exactly what you're doing and is able to put a person exactly where they need to be. And then, coupled with that, players that just can't—they can't cover the zones. They can't figure it out. They can't get there. They—they they, whatever can't cover, can't tackle. It's just a disaster. So, I guess those would be my overall thoughts on the situation, and 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 my concern as to why I don't think it's necessarily going to get better, because I, I just feel like there's a level of disgruntled that's that's reaching a fever pitch, and I think that that is likely going to negative negatively impact the. Uh, the play on the field but um it's good that you're watching and i hope you keep calling back in and letting us know what you saw i think we all probably need to spend more time doing that it's always a good thing even if you're just gonna skim it you know just just go back and confirm what you believe and i can't tell you how many times i've been disappointed because i'll i'll get on the podcast i'm like this freaking stupid j- jerk off can't do gr-. And then I'll go back and watch, and it's like, oh, he's not that bad, actually, dang it. I went on a tirade, and now I feel stupid. But it is what it is, man. It's just, you know, I'm just saying it would be good to just confirm. Like, if you think Stokes sucks, just just go watch him. Not just those highlight plays where he got beat him. I mean, just go back and watch the game and watch all the snaps and see how he did. You might be surprised. Like, he was actually kind of sticky a lot of the time. Like, he made a mistake on the one and this and that. But, I mean, he looked pretty good. It's never a bad thing.
6: Yeah, Ryanus this is Embrace the suck. Yo. It seems now that it's a foregone conclusion that uh, Joe Barry is a, a goner. But my biggest concern is I'm not so sure that we want Matt LaFleur picking the next yeah. D coordinator. I mean, he came down to this clown. Out of all the guys that were out there, there were basically three or four guys that were doing a bang-up job at other jobs. And he didn't pick those guys. He came up with Joe Barry because uh, Leonard didn't take the job, which Leonard would pretty much have been the same version of what we already had the two before that. So I'm not sure we want him to do it. Another thing I was wondering, how come people of uh, Green Bay who do the interviews would never ask the burning questions? Like when they talk to Goody. How come they never ask Goody... What do you think of Joe Barry? I'd like to to hear that. You know, they're never going to do anything like that. I don't even think they can ask a hardball question like that in New York because, you know, that would kind of cause divisiveness. But that'd be nice to know. And Also, I was watching that game Sunday, and I was looking back, and I said, I didn't know Joe Barry knew nuclear fusion. The way he taught his defensive backs to play once the – Receiver coming to a zone, a.k.a. receiver as the nuclear proton, all the electrons stay off a certain distance, and they can't get any closer. That's the way they were playing defense the whole game. I think Joe Barry quit on the team in in, uh, New York, and now the team quit on him. Anyway, talk to you later.
4: Yeah, you're smarter than me. I would have just gone with, like, the magnet example, you know, like a positive and positive or whatever. Um, Yeah, as far as the hiring thing, I mean, I I would have to assume they're going to put some parameters in place. I just – I genuinely don't like the process of, first of all, Matt LaFleur just finding somebody he was comfortable with, but then also just for a lot of it was keeping a lot of the same defensive coaches. I I, I guess I just don't understand it. I I don't – I – and I don't. I mean, I genuinely don't understand the process and, and, and what works best and, you know, cohesion and all that. OK, fine. But man, I, I just in my mind and I feel like as a fan and maybe we're all just ignorant idiots, but you're always just trying to find that elite piece. You know what I mean? In in every instance, I mean, if, if if we can find an elite safety, go find them. If you can upgrade this, go do it. You know, I mean, I obviously, there are considerations as far as cost, whether that's a coach and just general costs or with salary cap, but y- y- you know what I mean. There's never a reason, all things being equal, to look at it and be like, nah, it's fine. I'd rather not get better. And so if you're a brand new defensive coordinator and you come into Green Bay, I-, I-, I would be stunned to find out that we have the absolute best of the best at all these positions. Like it's It's amazing. You guys already had the dream team. Exactly the pieces that I wanted are already here. It's unbelievable. I would genuinely want to know. And if you don't know as a defensive coordinator, then then we'll get to work on it. I mean, I'm going to call Al Harris and be like, hey, what's it going to take to get you home to be our, our passing game coordinator on defense or whatever, you know, or whatever it is. And, and, and down the line, our linebacker coach, I want to find the absolute best person to come coach our linebackers. If it's somebody that's here, cool. But the odds of that seem extremely low. And we do this with players all the time. It's a constant rotation, just trying to find the best of the best of the best. But with coaches, we don't do that. With coaches, it just tends to be a thing where you just kind of stay. And I, I just, I guess I just don't understand that. As far as Gutekun's comments on Joe Barry, I mean, first of all, you have to know he's not going to really answer it honestly. I mean, one way or another. But I, I, I guess I could understand from the standpoint of just wanting to see how he answers it. I mean, if you think Joe Barry's a great coach, you say you think he's a great coach. If you don't think he's a great coach, you don't say he's a bad coach, but you don't say he's a great coach. And so you kinda listen for those things, you know. Joe Barry's, you know, you probably start off by saying, you know, that's more of a Matt LaFleur department. And obviously we've had some issues on defense. Clearly some of them are coaching failures and some of them are player failures. And I, I know Matt primarily is working through all that, but we know that Joe Barry has worked incredibly hard here and, and has done a great job of, you know, trying to, to help us put together the best defensive unit we can. And, and I mean, this is me answering the question, just trying to make up random crap off the top of my head that doesn't really answer the question, but feels like it's answering the question. And so when I hear people answer questions that way, I'm just thinking to myself, you don't like the guy <laughs> and you don't want to say it.
0: Hey, Ryan, it's Craig from Craig. Indiana. I was listening to the podcast today, and you were talking about, um, um, I think, DVOA for uh, our offense and how good of a job Matt LaFleur is doing with the team and the young players and all that, mm-hmm. and I, I totally agree with that. Um, I guess what stuck out for me is um, we could be describing just a really good offensive coordinator versus a head coach. And to me, a head coach is much more than just having a good offense, even though he's yes. obviously an offensive minded coach. Um, but I think a head coach also gets the entire team ready for games. Yep. I think, uh, the head coach also picks good, um, good, uh, assistant coaches. And those are two areas that I see Matt really not doing well. Doesn't seem to, uh, I guess I'll throw the blame at him, but, um, You know, what, uh, holding on to our special teams coordinator too long a couple years ago, obviously the hiring of Joe Barry and not making a change last year. Um, And then just coming off of buys and we don't seem to be ready. We don't seem to step up for big games that are must-wins, whether those were in the playoffs with Rodgers or last year with Detroit. And those are all things that I think are somewhat reflective of the head coach just um, overall managing the team and the locker room. And again, especially, uh, his staff. So just wondered how much you had on that. I agree. I think he's an offensive genius, uh, does some really cool things, but, and I like him a lot and I hope he can pick the right people going forward, but, um, I'm a little concerned about, you know, being a good head coach versus a good offensive coordinator. So any comments you have on that would be great. Take care. Bye.
4: Well, yeah, and, and and that is the question. I'm in complete agreement um, with you, and 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 that's I think he's a very good offensive coordinator. That's what I think. Um, all the issues with Matt Lafleur, or or I should say, potential issues with Matt Lafleur, are all the other things, and and there are a lot of other things. But you know, it, it, if the question is then okay, let's just assume that all the other things are problems, and they are all. Matt LaFleur's problem. And um then ask, you know, should we fire him and find somebody else? I still don't know that I would say yes. Because I fully understand that all these other things are important, but I also really like our offense and I like the way that it's situated. And I don't think we have anybody on staff that's going to be Matt LaFleur. I mean, we we had a guy that um was our number 2 as on offense and they hired him to be a head coach and it has been an unbelievable freaking disaster. And he can't do it. And to be honest, I don't think he can even be an offensive coordinator either. I mean, as far as an actual play-calling offensive coordinator. Now, maybe Stenovich can be a a, a different kind of guy. I I just, I am going to let it go. And and again, I, I just, at the very least, as I've said before, let's just solve it an issue at a time. We've got a lot going on right now, and it's hard to isolate variables when there's so many new variables right now. So let's solidify things and really learn about this team. Because at the end of the day, if if we can be a team knocking on the door of the playoff with a nearly top 10 offense in this first discombobulated year in which Jordan Love didn't play well for the first half of the year, Christian Watson's been missing all year, Aaron Jones has been missing all year, the offensive line has been a big shuffle fest, and Matt Lafleur doesn't even know what to do with the offense because you, you you build it around what? Around Aaron Jones, and then he gets hurt, so you try to build it around... Watson and he gets hurt and and then you know you you try to really get musgrave involved and and then he gets hurt and now you get craft going and and you're trying to make it like a craft wicks offense kind of thing you know what i mean it's like and and we're almost top 10 and 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 potentially going to the playoffs this year if we get somebody that can handle the defense i i understand there's there's going to be concerns about implosions but you also have to understand every team in the nfl Completely crumbles sometime. So that's never going to go away. Maybe it can be slightly better, but do I want to throw away what we have to maybe make some of the managerial things better? At this time, no. Could that potentially change in the future? Sure. But right now, no. Right now, he is so far from the biggest issue in my mind. It's more or less just a little footnote to put in the back of my mind for a later date. Like, hey, these are potential issues. And if you if you find it where it's like, okay, everything else is, is revved up. We got the defense going. We got the players playing better. We got a better defensive coordinator. The defense is, is pushing at, at, you know, like a top 10 defense. You know, we got number 10 on defense, number eight on offense kind of thing. And we understand like our strengths and weaknesses as far as our players. We're getting the best out of the guys that we have. If we feel like we're hitting a wall, and we can't get to where we need to be, and we, we genuinely believe that that wall is being created by Matt LaFleur, he is the ceiling preventing us from getting to the Super Bowl, then we need to have that conversation. But for right now, I don't know that he's he's a ceiling that isn't going to allow us to get into the next level. I think he is capable of calling a game with good enough players well enough to beat some of the best teams, provided that we have a good defensive coordinator that can call a good defensive game with the right pieces, which we already have. I think that that can happen. Now, you're always subject to imploding, but every team is subject to imploding. It's going to happen this year in the playoffs. Just wait. One of these teams that's just dominating is going to crap the bed, like the 49ers do every single year, or like Dallas does every single year, or the Packers. But again, it's not unique. Now, there are some teams that don't really do that, but you're talking like a one in a hundred candidate here. And if you think you're going to find the next Andy Reid or the next Bill Belichick, I mean, the odds are that it's absolutely not going to happen. So that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm I'm not, uh, I'm not ready to jump the gun on that quite yet. Let's fix the issues that we know are issues and let's see what it looks like next year. Anyways, folks, I'm going to call it. You guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow for another version of Packernet after dark. Have a good night. Bye-bye.